Introducing The Step by Pop Sugar, a new podcast for and about unstoppable women. I'm stylist Kate Young, and in each episode, I sit down with some of today's most inspiring women. You know the ones we all look at and think, how does she do that? We'll uncover the powerful stories behind the pivotal step that started it all. This episode of The Step by Pop Sugar is presented by Sorrel. We made this decision and I felt like it was the best thing. It was like kids, dry bar, kids, dry bar, and that was it, you know? And so it was like, I didn't, I really didn't take any time for myself. So I, I kind of lost myself. If I had known how many times I was gonna get punched in the face over the next year, you know, it was much, much harder. The voice you just heard was Allie Webb, founder of the wildly popular dry bar enterprise of blowout bars. She's one of those true self-made success stories, a hairstylist and stay-at-home mom in LA giving blowouts to clients in their homes and then pivoting in the midst of the recession of 2010 to open her first location. Dry Bar now has over 130 locations, and Allie's life has changed in ways she could have never imagined, both positive and deeply challenging. So, Allie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My first question, what blowout do you have? Oh, gosh. I mean, my hair is like five days old now, but I think it's probably still a bit of a Mai Tai. I always like messy, undone hair. One of my closest friends was like, you need the Mai Tai with straight ends. That's so funny. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's a big one. That's very popular. I feel like the Mai Tai is more popular in California than New York. Oh, really? But maybe not. I don't know. In it's, New York, is it all the Manhattan is probably. I feel like it was more, it's more like the straight up, which is like your basic blowout. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I want to ask you, what does success look like to you at this moment versus what success was when you started Dry Bar? It was such a like off the cuff idea and business that was like, maybe this will work. So, you know, I think success was like in the early days, like people just coming, you know, I mean, when we first started, we opened our first location in Brentwood. I thought, you know, if we can get 30 to 40 women in a day, mm-hmm. that'd be a great business. Yeah, that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. And in my mind, I was like doing the math. And if we open at nine, because we used to open at nine, now we open at seven because mm-hmm. women are very busy and, you know, mm-hmm. off to soul cycle and then dry bar and then off to work. Um, but at the time we opened at nine and it was like from nine to like, you know, whatever, seven or eight, how many blowouts can we do conceivably in that time? And I was like, we could, we could, we could definitely do 30 to 40 if we have like enough business. And you know, those, the, that was like such an underestimation of what we obviously do now, which is like close to like a hundred give or take per store per day, which wow is a lot of blowouts, you know? Did you think about opening a regular salon first or no? No, I just, I never had a desire to do that. I had worked in regular salons and traditional salons for years. And, you know, I when I lived in New York City, I worked for John Sahag, which I don't know if you know. Of course. You might, yeah. Legendary. It's like old school and that's, you know, where all the celebrities went and it was such a great experience for me and I loved him so much. The Mai Tai is kind of John Sahag hair. He was very like, well, his hair, yeah. It was <laughs> yeah. very like messy. He was the coolest guy. But yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I loved so many things about traditional salons and I feel like I, I really like grew up working and going to salons and I loved the culture and all of that. But there were parts that I didn't love, you know, where it was very competitive and it was very like everybody was kind of out for themselves. It was a very like eat what you kill kind of environment and stylists were very sensitive about sharing clients and all of that. And I didn't love that part of it. And, mm-hmm. and I also, you know, 
even though I cut hair for many years, I loved getting through the haircut to do the blowout because that's when you really saw the hairstyle like come to life and the styling part of it was what I really loved. And I have naturally curly hair. And so my whole life, since I was a kid, I grew up in South Florida too, where it was so humid. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, have been fighting with my hair my whole life. And that's kind of, I think, where the seed was planted all those years ago. Right. And so, you know, fast forward to many, many years later when I was you know, we were concepting this, I was like, you know, there, there's something really magical about just the styling part, which I'm sure you can relate to, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like getting, getting someone ready and just looking, you know, their best where, you know, it had, if you think about like our grandmothers and grandmother's generation, they were getting their hair coiffed like once a week and then wouldn't touch it, you know, and that, that behavior kind of went away. I think we brought it back and modernized it and, you know, allowed women, you know, everyday women to like, feel like they were about to walk on a carpet and that, you know, having that big glam styled out hair, you know, was like something that wasn't really attainable unless you went and got a haircut or color first, which you were only doing. Or it was really expensive. When I started my mobile blow dry business, it was not about the money. It was really more about like, you know, I have two boys and I was a stay at home mom and I kind of wanted to get out and away from the kids for a couple hours and do something for myself. And my parents had their own business. So I have that entrepreneurial kind of spirit. And there was this gap. And I felt like, why doesn't a place exist where it's, you know, very focused on just blowouts, really good blowouts in a beautiful space at an affordable price. And that was the idea. You have one of those success stories that I think everyone dreams of. Do you have any moment that foreshadows this? Like, have you always been meant to do this? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I think, you know, when I was, when I was young my mom used to always, I used to beg my mom to blow out my hair and she wasn't a professional stylist, not by a long shot. And I just, you know, growing up in South Florida, my hair was just crazy and frizzy and I hated it. And when I would ask her to blow it out, I mean, I have so many pictures of her doing that. I can't even picture the curly frizzy hair. The hair oh is my really, gosh. Well, I was just going to so say, smooth I, and perfect. I, I don't have it <laughs> with me, but in my book, I released a book a couple of years ago. That's like, it's called the dry bar guide to good hair for all. And the very first page is a picture of me standing in front of my childhood house with like the biggest curly frizzy hair with my big bangs and you know my hair was just very unruly and so that was like I mean I learned how to do it but it was like you know Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours like makes you an expert like I have that in spades because I spent <laughs> so many many hours in my childhood trying to figure out how to blow my own hair and, and it was such your, a mystery. Do you do your own hair now? I or do. No? I enjoy doing it myself so much like I really love doing my hair. I'm very particular about my hair, but I do have it done and I have it done for like shoots and things like that. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> the style, I'm so picky and my stylists know that, that they, they do tend to get a little bit nervous when I'm, <laughs> when they're doing my hair. And sometimes even on shoots, like I'll, I'll do like the front and then just have them do the back, you know, cause I can't do the back as well. Cause it's just harder to do. Um, I'm, I am picky, which I is also my own hair for years. Did and you? My friend who's a hairdresser would always come up to me and be like, Kate, can you please sit down in my chair? Because the back is one flat panel. With oh my God, no that's so funny. Layers, you know, and it's funny because it. I can, I can cut my hair pretty well. And I will like, if I feel like my hair is feeling like heavy on one side, I'll cut into it. And that I can do. You just can't do a bottom line by yourself. No, that's, I was, I just had, um, a razor. Yeah. Oh, well. I yeah. find it look cool. I mean, I've heard a lot of people do that, <laughs> but I mean, that sometimes, you know, that I'm very TSA into like, took it away from uh, me. And it's um, so funny. And that was the end of that. That was the end of that. You know, looking back at my life, there's no one better suited to do what I do. I mean, the second I stepped foot in my, in beauty school in like Boca Raton, Florida, I was like, 
this is where I was meant to be. And I felt like I had like found my place and then, you know, kind of spent the next 20 years doing hair. So your most public pivot was betting on an idea with the first dry bar, which you opened in the middle of the recession. But this past year has been a massive private pivot with a divorce from your longtime husband. And I know you're just starting to talk about it. Um, what has it taught you about yourself? Oh man, so much. Um, yeah, it's like, I think, you know, I never, I never thought or, or really wanted to be like a person who was divorced. I don't know why I looked on that with such like a stigma, but I did. And, Mm. you know, and my ex-husband is just really objectively one of the greatest guys. He's an amazing father. He's, you know, he's been a great business partner. We were very, you know, head down building this business, Mm -hmm. you know, for the last 10 years. I didn't, you know, it was like kids, dry bar, kids, dry bar. And that was it, you know? And so it was like, I didn't, I really didn't take any time for myself. So I, I kind of lost myself, you know, in, in the best possible way. And I'm, and I'm certainly not complaining about it because I'm, you know, intensely grateful for all that's happened and, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the opportunities and the life that, you know, dry bar has afforded us. And yeah, I, I got very lost. So this last year I think was like a very, uh, transformative year for me to kind of figure out who I am and what I like. And it's all really like eye-opening to see that, you know, and I'm still figuring it out. You know, I think it's been a year, which feels like it's been a minute, you know, since it all like kind of happened and unfolded and, you know, learning and readjusting to being a single mom. And that's really hard. And I didn't think all, I, I, I didn't really think any of it through. I, you know, I think that I, you know, we made this decision and I felt like it was the best thing, but it was just, you know, if I had known how many times I was going to get punched in the face over the next year, it, you know, it was much, much harder than I thought. And, you know, so now it's like readjusting and figuring out what really makes me happy, what I need. And I'm, and I'm still in the process of kind of figuring out that yeah. and who I am. And I think being a mom makes it very hard to connect with that, especially yeah. if you're running a business. Because yeah. any time that you're not at the business, you're yeah. giving to someone exactly. else. Exactly. It was kind of like guilt associated. So with- much guilt. Yeah. It's like guilt if you're not with the kids, guilt if you're not with the business. And, you know, and then there's like now with this, there's like a whole other realm of guilt, which is like, you know, how does this affect the kids? And is it a really, you know, selfish decision? And, but, you know, I ultimately felt like life is short and I needed to do what I needed to do for myself and my own kind of personal sanity. And, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it's an incredibly difficult decision to make. What's funny is that so many people now have messaged me and talked to me a lot about, their marriages and their situations. And I'm always like, I I am not qualified to answer (laughs) anything, but you know, I mean, it's like, I just think that like, you have to like really look at your situation and figure out, you know, you know, what you need to do for your, for yourself and your marriage and your kids and your family and, and all of that. And it just felt like this was the right thing for me. And I think ultimately it was like, I wanted my kids to see the best version of me. And I don't think I was the best version of myself Mm. then. And I think I'm a much better version Is now. there anything concrete that you did that helped you to arrive? I think I've, you know, I've discovered, I kind of went a lot, I went very inward, you know, I, I discovered a lot of things that 
I have found to be incredibly like helpful in my life. I mean, a lot of like spirituality, I started doing transcendental meditation and, you know, a lot of it was like kind of deal with a lot of the anxiety and depression that came up as a result of the divorce, but also just how to make me a calmer person. And I feel like I used to like really like fly off the handle at my kids and I would lose my temper really quickly. And I don't really do that anymore. And a lot of that was like releasing a lot of like kind of pent up frustration and anger and things that I had had a little bit and not... And by no means at my husband or my ex-husband because he's an amazing guy. It's just more of kind of finding my myself like and who I want to be. Yeah, exactly. You know, there was just this like nagging that I had kind of like sitting under the surface that I wasn't dealing with uh-huh. for many years. And I think, you know, the divorce kind of forced me to look inward and you also have more time. You know, it's like yeah. you're not with your kids half the time. And so, you know, I... You know, I kind of enjoy the time on my own to like read a book. And my kids are also older. They're 12 and 14. So they're also off with their friends. And, but it's, you know, it's been a real like soul searching, you know, like journey for me that I'm, I'm really so very grateful for that. I don't know that I would have discovered that part of myself without having been, you know, this like push that I ultimately kind of pushed myself into, you know? Yeah. Did you start meditating before or after? Oh, totally after. And, oh, I, and wow. I remember like, you know, hearing about it and everybody mm-hmm. was like doing yeah, it. Yeah, I do like, Yeah, it's been like a fad for a while. And I tried and I tried like doing the apps and stuff, but I just couldn't like, I couldn't like calm down and stop, you know, and, and I, I just wasn't able to do that. And I was just going a million miles an hour for years. And I think that, you know, the the divorce kind of forced me into this like, you've got to slow down. Like there's no other Well, way. there's escape in that too. Yeah, yeah, there is for sure. I really like like the person I am more now than I think I ever have. So before we go to break, I usually ask people what five things they do to manifest. And I'm yeah. really interested if there are any books that yeah. you would recommend that have really moved you this year? Oh, there are so many. Um, I What I'm reading right now is, ironically, she's on book tour about this, Gabby Bernstein's uh, Super Attractor. Mm-hmm. I also recently read the book uh, Light is the New Black. Mm. Amazing. It's very much about what lights you up. Like, what what is it in your life that makes you want to get out of the bed, no matter how, like, small or silly or whatever. And that, you know, and those are all, like, very manifesting books. Also, in the middle of listening to White Boot, Buddhism is True, which is a really interesting book. It's a lot about meditating and selflessness and, and how, you know, really living the present and how like not, not being attached to outcomes on things and just living this very present state of mind, which is really hard to do. It's something that I really struggle with and I'm trying to do because I'm such a overachiever and so aggressive and trying to like, you know, make things happen the way I want yeah. them to happen versus allowing things to like happen the way they're supposed to happen. That's kind of mm-hmm. a big thing that I grapple with. So yeah, I would say is that. Is that hard because you have made things happen? Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know? It is hard because I, I feel like I've been, you know, I think in work and professionally, like, you know, you, you really have to bring that drive and ambition. You know, I think for me now with like, dating and mm-hmm. trying to find like love again. And that's like, you can't strong arm that despite trying, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, I mean, I've, I've been dating for the last year, which has been really, I mean, what a, what a thing to be, you know, dating and a single mom and all of that. And it's like, okay, I'm ready for a relationship. Why don't I have one? You know? And so 
it's, you know, it's like, it's really understanding that people are in very different places and timing is so important and there's just so many factors and I want to be like, no, 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 but I'm ready. And so I'm so going to make you're it you're not ready also. Right. Exactly. And so I think that's what this last year has shown me, you know, all like the fits and starts with my relationships have been like, yeah, because you're not ready. Although I think, you know, I'm now in a much better place. So I like that a lot. Uh, we will be back in a moment after the break with Allie Webb. As I've mentioned, Sorel is our partner for this series. I've always been a huge fan of their strong, supportive, and fashionable footwear. As women living busy lives, we need comfortable shoes. I think each woman in this series can agree that the more supportive your footwear is, the more powerful you feel. Check out their new fall styles at Sorel.com. Welcome back to The Step by Pop Sugar. I'm stylist Kate Young, and we are back with Allie Webb, founder of Drybar. I'm curious about how the things that you've learned about yourself personally in the last year or two years um, will help shape your next business ventures in the future of your of yeah. Drybar. Well, you know, the things I'm passionate about has certainly shifted in the last year or two. Obviously, I love dry bar and it's will always be my first business baby but you know I am pursuing other things as well now and you know we just started a new massage concept called squeeze which is basically that's brilliant yeah it's so great it's the same founding team as dry bar and it's the space is beautiful but it's it's so much about the app because you book and you pay and you tip everything on the app, kind of like Uber or Postmates. And yep. you put all your preferences in. There's like, you know, there's a picture of the body and you can like pick what, you know, mm-hmm. parts you like, don't like the pressure, the, you know, the, the room temperature, the, if the bed is heated or not, like the music you like, all of it. And you, you it's all in the app. And so the therapist has it all on the iPad. So when you come in and you're like, hi, I'm Kate. I'm here for my massage. You go into a room. This, the therapist already knows like what you like, what you don't like. And every time it gets updated and there's like even like a little button underneath the bed. So once you lay down, you push this button and the light goes on outside the door. So the therapist knows like you're comfortably in your bed and ready for your massage, which you know how, how that is when you're like, you're naked and running to get in the bed and you're like, shit, they're going to come in, you know? Um, so there's a lot of little things that we you know, my brother and I had been like sitting on this idea for a while because there were so many things about, you know, every massage place that we've ever been to that just like they all fall short in a lot of ways. And so we were really trying to, you know, kind of figure out those problems and make this. Are like, you great starting in L.A.? We did. We opened the first one in Studio City about six months ago, and it's a whole new thing. And it's more obviously in like the wellness you know, arena. And was that inspired by your, by your journey? You know, I don't think it did was, they coincide? They just, I think it was a little of both. Squeeze was like this, you know, feel good company. And it was like, you know, dry bar was, is very much about how you look, but ultimately it's how it makes women feel. I mean, that's why we're so successful. It's, we're making women feel amazing. And they look amazing. shoes is all yeah. that matters. <laughs> so, well, you know what that, you know what that's like. Yeah. I mean, as a stylist, I imagine like, it's like, you know, when a woman like feels really good in her skin, what she's wearing, her hair, her makeup, like you just feel on top of the world. And that's what Drybar did. And, you know, and now ultimately Squeeze is doing that like from the inside out, you know, where that's what's happening. Is Squeeze a little more affordable than going to a, like yeah. a spa yeah. to get a massage? Yeah, it's it's basically like, you know, like the price point of like a massage envy. It is like an affordable luxury. Oh, nice. You should come in. I will. Where are you finding your greatest areas of strength right now? And what would you tell other women about finding yourself again? That's a good question. I mean, I think it's it, it comes from a lot of different places. You know, I've really 
really rely on my girlfriends now. And I think those bonds have gotten even stronger. I have a group of probably like four girlfriends that are like my ride or dies and, you know, that I can, I can cry to, I can text to, I can, you know, really open up. You know, I think like getting that stuff out is really important and, you know, verbalizing how you feel and having, you know, someone to, you know, listen to. So I think I, I draw a lot of strength from my girlfriends, my very close girlfriends. And then, and also for my kids, you know, I think like the relationship I have with my boys is very strong and we've all been kind of through it this year. And, and I think there's a lot of strength that comes from that. And then, you know, and then I think a lot of it is like myself and, and going in again and, you know, and trying to like sit with the uncomfortableness that I've had to sit with and like, you know, it can make you very like edgy and uncomfortable when you're like, you know, again, it's back to that like discipline I was talking about before. Like when you have to sit in your own skin and with, when you don't like where you're at or you don't have everything you want and things aren't the way you want them to be, but you have no choice. You know, I, I also really in the last year, well, became friendly with Brene Brown and, you know, discovered her books and her talks. And, you know, she, she, I would talk to her and she'd be like, the only way through, the only way out is through. You just have, you know, and it just kind of became a joke with my friends. Like the only way through is through, like you just have to go through it. (laughs) The only way through it is through it, you know? And it's like, it's not really what you want to hear when you're like, you feel like you're face down and you're so upset and you can't get out of it. You're like, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to feel the way I feel. I would like to go that way and not feel this way anymore, but that is not an option. And so it's like sitting with it and not doing the things that are like, I mean, this is Yeah. It's like drugs, alcohol, ex- excessiveness, like the, whatever, however you self-medicate. And, you know, that's kind of a term that I learned when I was an onsite and like how I, how people deal with problems. And a lot of people deal with problems and you can't, and I can't begrudge them, but you know, it's like, let me do anything destructive kind of behavior rather than sit in this uncomfortable feeling. And I've had to like do it and I still do it I still feel like that a lot of the time so it's, it is like sitting in it and getting through it and you learn a lot about yourself and mm-hmm. and that's how you get through it if you could choose five women to gather around a dinner table who would you choose Oprah definitely who wouldn't choose Oprah <laughs> Michelle Obama Hillary Clinton um probably Brene Brown and I just love Gwyneth Paltrow so much I don't know her. You probably know her. You've probably styled her. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's like someone I just would love to like, I feel like her divorce from Chris Martin, she, you know, did so much research and did everything she could to not go through the hellish year and to put your kids through that. And so I feel like there's a relatability that I, you know, there's so many women that I've talked to, you know, who've gone through divorces and it's not like mine's like public, like Gwyneth's was, but there, you know, there's a lot of things that I've watched because she's in the public eye and how they've all stayed friends and it's, you know, they're all like friendly together. It's like, that's pretty aspirational, you know? So yeah, I think I'd put her at that table. That'd be a good table, That'd right? Be a good table. Gosh, Serious, yeah. that table. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I would be like scared to talk at that table. <laughs> okay. So before we go, we want to play our favorite game here at The Step. It's called Step Forward or Step Back. In each episode, we pose a rapid fire round of real life dilemmas to our unstoppable women and get your quick take on whether you would step forward into the situation or step back. Oh, okay. this is, sounds like First it's going to be heavy. <laughs> I'm a little scared. <laughs> you wear a form-fitting dress to a high-powered business deal with a male counterpart, and you notice he's eyeing you suggestively. 
Do you step forward and proceed with the deal in the face of his flirtation or step back and cover up with your blazer as not to distract from your negotiation? Is this is my business partner or like somebody else who's interviewing who's like someone else someone else like you're in a meeting and some guy who you're right. trying to do a deal with is, is like, like distracted because of like what I'm wearing <laughs> I think I would not cover up I think I would be like you know if you're distracted like that's, that's your, your problem that's your problem it's gonna hurt your case not mine <laughs> so yeah not that I want to be objectified but I also feel like like be professional don't be professional that's on you not on me yeah you're cutting a friend's hair as a favor and accidentally do something short-term irreversible, like cut too short a bang or thin it out with too many layers. Oof. Do you step forward and cop to your mistake or step back and hope they just end up loving it? Oh, definitely step forward. I'm such a big believer in like owning it and just being like, listen, I think I went a little too far here. It, we take some hair pills. We'll find some <laughs> other hair sales. Free for a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> free blowouts for life. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm a big believer in like, you got to own up to your stuff. On a whim, you go with some girlfriends to see a psychic, and she says she sees you completely pivoting out of Drybar into a whole other career. Do you step forward and pay more money to find out more, or step back and plant the possibility in your imagination? Oh, it's so interesting because I've I've not had a lot of experience personally with psychics because it scares me to someone to tell me what's going to happen. But they don't really deal, tell you so definitively. I don't know if they tell you as definitively. It depends as, who you go to. I guess. I love a psychic. Do, you have, do they tell you stuff like that? Like, um, that clear? Sometimes. I've, I, I have had really weird experiences. I had a psychic told, tell me to be careful when my son was three because he might drown. Holy shit. So, like, my husband didn't let us go on vacation that year. <laughs> I mean, it was outrageous, but she was not But have so you had psychics tell you things that came true? You know, the psychic who's told me the most true things, I had a very, really, I had a very strange reaction to her when I was speaking to her. I always write down what they say because yeah. I feel like yeah. you want to look back at it later. Right. And while I was talking to her, I thought, no, 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 yeah, no, no. This isn't me. And then like a year later, I keep a notebook where I do all my to-dos and I had written it in there and the... It was the end, uh -huh. so I was sort of paging through, and I saw the notes, and she was, like, spot on oh, with shit. everything. Wow. I didn't want to hear it. Is it. Was it bad? No, it just, like, wasn't, like, you know, you I want to hear, oh, you know, everything's going to be great. Your child is a violin genius. He's going to go to <laughs> Juilliard at the age of four. <laughs> and then he gave <laughs> <You> up the <laughs> violin. Um, uh, that's so interesting. You know, I want to hear all this. I... I, I and I also, I think I'm very goal-oriented, so I write down all these goals, and I kind of want to hear them spit back to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear that it's not like an work alternate. Out. Well, and I think that's kind of like a lot of the books I'm reading, you know, about manifesting things. It's like, you know, you're putting all these things out in the universe, and I'm, and I get like, we get so disappointed when something didn't work out the way we wanted it to. Yeah. And and Gabby's like what she talks about so much in that book is like something that didn't work out for you wasn't obviously what was meant to be for you and something better is coming which is like how I feel about like dating I'm like oh I really wanted it to work out that guy but it didn't because somebody else better is coming and there's like a lot of like hope in that you know so I don't know though to answer your question about the psychics I, I don't know I'm so torn you're with them. your girlfriends they're gonna yeah. be like get Go, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you're right you're right I totally would <laughs> We close each episode by asking our unstoppable woman, that's you, 
What makes you unstoppable? I think it's my my desire to keep learning and keep growing, you know, and kind of always pushing for, you know, more and to make myself better. And I think that's, I think that makes me kind of unstoppable. And I think that, you know, that makes everybody unstoppable. It's like when you keep, you know, wanting for, for more, and I don't mean that in the materialistic sense, but, you know, wanting more for yourself to be a better person, to be a better mother, to be a better business owner, all of those things. I think that keeping that drive, which, you know, I don't always have. I think, you know, in this last year, that was, you know, that was like very wavering for me. But I think, you know, now that I've kind of gotten my stride back, I think it's that drive to keep learning. And I think with, with that, it's, it's the ability to realize you always have more to learn, you know? And I think that was something that I always loved about hairstyling is like, it's always changing. There's always something new to learn. And I, and I learned so much from watching my stylist do things that I never thought of, you know? Right. So I think it's the openness to learning new things in all realms that, you know, kind of makes you an unstoppable person. Thank you for listening to The Step by Pop Sugar. A huge shout out to our sponsor, Sorel, making powerful footwear for unstoppable people. You can find The Step by Pop Sugar at popsugar.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share with friends and tune in next week.